Did someone say yeehaw? I think someone just said yeehaw. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I am from the south, so let's do it. Let's yeehaw. Let's worship together. Come on. In my wrestling and in my doubts, in my failures, you won't walk out. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. Whoa, you are the peace in my troubled sea. Yeah, that's right. In the silence, you won't let go. In the questions, your truth will hold. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. Oh, oh, you are the peace in my troubled sea. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, shining in the darkness, I will follow you. Oh, oh my lighthouse, my lighthouse, I will trust the promise. You carry me safe to shore, safe to shore. 
tomorrow brings with each morning i'll rise and sing my god's love will lead me through you are the peace in my troubled sea oh, oh. you are the peace in my troubled sea oh, you are my light my lighthouse my Praise this morning. You can go ahead and have a seat for a moment. How many of y'all love gathering together and worshiping together? Okay, well, let's try that again. How many of y'all love worshiping together? Because that is why we're here. We are so excited, each and every one of you chose to worship this morning. If you are a first-time guest, please take the connection card in front of you, fill it out, and drop it in the bucket on the, on the way out of here. We would love to get to know you a little better. And also, how many of y'all have the app? Raise your hand if you have the app. Okay, quite a few of you. It means quite a few of you more need to get the app because I'm telling you that thing is awesome. It lets you know what's going on here at Westgate. And, and again, it's another way for us to get to know you as well. But again, we are so excited to worship. That's why we do what we do. Um, I know each and every person in the band, we love doing it. And every, yeah, we, we love worshiping together. So please um, give it up right now for Mr. Paul Eriks. He's going to talk to you about some awesome men's events coming up. Good morning, guys. Welcome to Westgate. I'm glad you guys are here. Um, like Adam said, my name is Paul Eriks. Uh, I've been coming to Westgate for about four and a half years now. And one thing I really appreciate about Westgate is the community that can be found here. Um, community is super important to me, and it's also super important to God. God designed us to be in community with one another. One of the main ways I found community here at Westgate is pre-COVID. Um, we got together, me and a couple guys got together monthly to play board games. Um, and we'd sit together, play board games, talk about life. Um, and as 
the relationships kind of started to grow. So did the community and, and the depth of conversation. Um, and with that came the opportunity to pray with one another, to care for one another, to seek advice from each other. Um, and spend time with one another as, as well as some fantastic memories along the way. Uh, I'm super excited because here at Westgate, we're going to have a men's board game event on February 11th from 5 to 8. There's going to be all sorts of games, card games, board games, apparently safe axe throwing, whatever that looks like, um, according to Pastor Adam. Um, so there'll be axe throwing and, of course, um, some really good food as well. So... Uh, come on out. One of the many opportunities that the community that I've built here has kind of allotted me is I have the chance to serve with student ministries on Monday nights. And this past fall, on fall retreat, I had the opportunity to play board games with a couple of the students, and I've talked to many of the students as well about board games and know um, a lot of students also love board games. So students, you guys come on out too. Um, Bring your parents with you. It's not just an event for um, graduated adult men. Come on out, spend some time with us as well. And can I encourage you, if you don't, uh, if you won't have the opportunity to be there right at five or, or you have to, wouldn't be able to stay fully till eight, this is a come and go event. So come on out, spend time in community. Um, even if you can't be there till seven, come on out, play a board game that doors aren't exactly locking at 8 o'clock, so come on out, just be in community, bring a friend, bring a guest, um, and spend time together with, uh, with other men in the church. Also, we have a really cool opportunity coming up March 24 through the 26th at Beulah Beach. Um, the CMA is hosting their men's conference, so super convenient. It's not far for us, right at Beulah. Um, and there's a really neat opportunity because John Stumbo, who's the president of the CMA, is going to speak. Um, everybody who I've talked to about John Stumbo speaking says that he's a phenomenal speaker, very impactful. So I want to encourage you, if you have the opportunity, again, the 24th through 26th of March, head on out to that event. It's a, it's a weekend retreat um, and spend time with other men in the church, but also other men in the, in the congregation um, and hear John speak about men of courage. Um, so in the spirit of community, why don't you guys stand on up this morning, greet someone new, say hello to someone you know, um, and be in community.
is so good, isn't he? The king who conquered the grave. Whew. 
That's just awesome. Um, you don't have to raise your hand. I guess you can if you want to. Um, it's funny, the first service, they didn't know whether they should or shouldn't, but you guys can do whatever you want. It's cool. Um, how many of you are tired? How many of you are just feel stressed, maybe? Maybe overwhelmed? Yeah, yeah. Maybe the word stressed comes to mind. Anxious, fearful. I mean, there's a lot in this world that, uh, that can give us severe anxiety, stress, make us feel overwhelmed. It's funny, in our, so in our, every, every Sunday morning we get together as a worship team after rehearsal and we do just a, someone on the team will lead us, lead the whole team in a brief devotional. And this morning Jeremy led it and he talked about what the fear of the Lord means. And if you look multiple times throughout scripture, when it refers to the fear of the Lord, it's not talking about being scared of God. Like, ah, I'm scared. No, it's talking about this reverence, this awe over who God is, what he's done, what he's doing, what he will do. This divine, this awe, there's no other word to describe it. This deep, deep, deep respect we have for who God is. And I think so many times we see the word fear and we think of it as this negative thing or this really terrible thing. In reality, we're supposed to have this deep reverence, this deep awe for who God is. And I know for, for me, when, we, when I think of who God is, I see this, we see, we, we see these horrible things happen in this world. And if we believe God is omnipotent, if we believe he is all-powerful, which he is, and maybe the question comes into mind, how can, how can God let all these things happen? How can let God all these things happen? Or maybe you're in this room and you're feeling that way. But I'm going to read out of Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. How is it that the same God of the universe who allows volcanoes to erupt and wipe out civilizations can be this calm, humble, and gentle God who gives us rest. But that's who God is. He is both mighty, powerful, strong, and calm, and gentle, and peaceful. He's all things at all times. He is both the lion and the lamb. Do we believe that, church? Yes, yes we do. And so if you're here this morning, maybe you're going through something really, really heavy. Maybe you're walking through a situation that you just, you just can't bear. 
It's just too much for you. Oh, there is a God who says, that's fine, give it to me. I got this. Cast your burdens on Christ. He cares for you. Give it to him because there's nothing too big or too small for God. You may even think, maybe you're you're here and you're like, man, my problems pale in comparison to what someone else is going through. Maybe in your mind that's true, but that's not how it is with God. Nothing too big or too small for him. So if you're here this morning, whatever level of mental or physical or spiritual exhaustion you're at, this is the place for you. Give it to God. And so in these next few moments here, before we do this next song, just go to God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just go to God, breathe him in. Just seek him. Give it to him.
voices that bombard us every day from every direction. Lord, I pray that you would speak louder, Lord, louder into our circumstances, louder over every area that we need wisdom, we need discernment, Lord. I pray that we would come to you as the source of everything, as the source of our rest. Jesus, would you just meet us there? In your name we pray, amen. Would you please continue in worship with me through the act of giving? Those of you seated on the center aisle can take the black buckets and pass those to the outside. Thank you so much.
Good morning, everyone. My name is Adam Just, the adult ministry pastor here at Westgate. I've um, been here in this position. This is like a year now, and so continually very thankful uh, for the work here. And um, one thing about me, when I became a believer back over 20 years ago, one of the first verses of Scripture that I ever memorized was Psalm 119, verse 11, which is, For I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. And we here at Westgate, uh, we believe that the word of God is a, 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 a light for our path, a lamp, a light for our feet, a lamp for our path. And so we have opportunities to continue to grow deeper in God's word so we can take God's word, see what Jesus wants us to do, to live out that word, um, not only revealing who God is, but who we are and, and what our mission here is uh, in, in the world. And so coming up, uh, this week, our adult Bible studies are beginning. So uh, we have these pamphlets. They've been out on all the tables and also out in the cafe uh, this morning. Uh, beginning tomorrow, we have women's studies, men's studies, ones for both, and all throughout the week. So if you're interested in Bible study, uh, take a look at, at this. And then the other opportunity is our adult classes. We have uh, fall classes, winter classes, spring classes, and we're in the launch of winter classes, which begins next Sunday. So the 22nd next week, we have three different classes that are, are being launched, and uh, I, I, they're a, just a great way to encourage us um, in our faith, also get to know other people here at Westgate. So if you want to uh, sign up, uh, please do so um, as soon as you can. That is very helpful. Um, you can uh, sign up by using our app, or you could also um, fill out the Connect card or go on our events tab or use one of the papers here and turn that into one of the buckets um, later on. So uh, back in October, Pastor Dave and I got to travel to Israel. And this was like a, a trip for me uh, in the making for, for years and years and years, uh, desire to go. And um, we were there for a long period of time, over, over two weeks. And so we got to experience um, two different Sabbaths, two different, as, as called the Shabbats or Shabbat. And that begins on sundown of Friday evening and goes for a full 24 hours until the sun is fully set um, on Saturday evening. And so if you are uh, Orthodox uh, uh, Jewish, then you would practice and follow a ways of rest, a ways of worship. Um, but there's also a lot of details that go uh, along with that. Um, there's a picture that'll be up here, which uh, this is the only picture with a pole in the background called an aruv. And a roof, and that's me. Dave took that shot. This is our first day there. I was sporting our Westgate kids gear. And that pole in the background or in a roof is placed and they're, they're placed all around the city or town or village limits. And at the top of them is a cable that attaches to another to another that ends up forming like a, a perimeter. And this is for, it's not for electricity or cable or it's, it's, it's for the Sabbath, It is for to, per, to have a, a, a limit of how far you could carry something on that day. Because you weren't supposed to do any work. You're supposed to rest on Sabbath. And so if you carried something, then uh, you're disobeying the Sabbath. 
But then you have things that you need to carry, maybe food, maybe a baby, that you can't just leave and see it 24 hours later. So they've made an allowance for within this space, in this aruv system, that you can, there are certain things then you can carry, like your child, push a stroller, whatever it might be. And then this also formed the, the line of which uh, from there you could take 2,000 cubits. 2,000 cubits, roughly like a half mile to somewhere between that and three quarters of a mile. That's the distance that they could travel outside past um, that, that line. And again, it's for the purpose of rest. And this morning, if you've uh, guessed, we're talking about the Sabbath this morning, the fourth, the fourth commandment. And we've been in a series called Guardrails. And just in the same way that, that a roof forms like a guardrail for the, the people, which allows them to then worship and flourish, we believe that God's commands for us, these guardrails, not only reveal to us more about who God is, also reveals who we are, our need to uh, love and, and obey, but also these guardrails help to not squash who we are, but we can joyfully, God sets them in place so that we can have human flourishing through Jesus. And so that's what we've been working through. And this morning we're talking about um, the Sabbath and that, that fourth command, which is uh, remember the Sabbath day. Four fingers, four words, fourth command. And this works, watch this. So the first, one God. Second command, no idols. Honor God's name. Remember the Sabbath day. What's the fifth one? Honor your father and mother. And then after the six, it kind of falls apart. But at least for the first five, for the first five, you can just use your hands. This is how I, we can remember these, some of these guardrails that, that God has um, uh, given for us. And we also have an understanding, and this is kind of like a, yeah, not a side note, certainly not a side note, but we are here on Sunday, not Saturday. And because 2,000 years ago when, when Jesus uh, rose from the dead on that Sunday morning, this became the Lord's day. And so in practice for the last 2,000 years, this has been the day that we have gathered as a church, that we've gathered to come together as God's people to worship and offer praise and offer thanksgiving, but also it's a day that gets set aside for rest. And it may be one of the Bible studies that they're going through, they'll go more deeper into all the epistles, Paul's epistle writings or in the book of Hebrews of like what really has happened with the Sabbath. But the, the big overall picture is at the beginning of creation, God created and rested on the seventh day and then provides a space for us to rest with him. And then we look forward to an eternal Sabbath rest um, with him. But my hope and prayer for us this morning, as we consider these guardrails, is that what is the God's heart behind having us having a specific and intentional time, having a rhythm of rest, having a rhythm where we gather together and worship him? What is God's heart behind and intention behind this? 
And so we're going to be in two different books, one from the Old Testament, we're going to look at Exodus, and then we're going to jump to Matthew this morning, Matthew's Gospel. So we'll begin in Exodus chapter 1. And in, in Exodus 1, kind of a, a quick background, and most of us, we, we, know, we know this story, that um, Joseph uh, was captured, uh, sold by his brothers into slavery, who went down to Egypt, and, and once he was there, he did some really great things, uh, helped the nation, helped them have, survive a, a famine. And then, you know, hey, you're the second in command. Come on down, bring your family. And that's where the Israelites then dwelt and lived for these 400 years. Then it happened that there was a time when there was a pharaoh, there was a king of Egypt that forgot who Joseph was and what Joseph did. And so... The Israelites then were continuing to be fruitful, multiplying, but the new Pharaoh was afraid of the growing Israelite people. And so decided we got to oppress these folks. We have to put them in their place. And so that's what they did. In chapter 1, the second half of verse 12 through 14, reads, So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites, and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. And all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly or um, uh, violently with brutality. And as we would expect, then the people do cry out. The people cry out to the Lord, and the Lord hears. And he sends Moses as his instrument to deliver them from slavery. Then Moses shows up on the scene, and he goes to Pharaoh, and he says, let my people go, because we want to go for three days. out, And we got to worship our Lord. We have to rest, and we want to worship God. And Pharaoh says, I don't know this Lord. Who is the Lord? Well, he finds out later. But he says, no, ain't no way. In fact, let's make it harder. Exodus 5, verse 4. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. Get back to work. And not just continue to make these bricks, but I'm actually, I'm not going to provide. I'm not going to provide the straw anymore. You have to go. And you still have to make the same amount. So that's what they they did. And and the work got harder and harder. But they kept working. Kept working, kept crying out to God. Pharaoh then says, Verse 9, make the work harder. Make the work harder for the people so that they will keep working and pay no attention to lies. Make the work harder so they pay no attention to lies. And what is the lie that he is talking about? Have them pay no attention to worship, have them pay no attention to rest. Because Pharaoh wants to be their God, so you better get back to work. Keep building. Get back to work. Keep going. 
So that's what they did. Kept working and working and working. Do you ever think that we have lies in this world that prevent us from worshiping God? You ever feel like we have a message that says, pay no attention to this. Pay no attention to God. That's not important. Keep going on and on and on. I think many times we have so many distractions in our lives that we really forget who God is and subsequently we forget who we are. And we forget why we're here and the mission that God has has given us. And we have these distractions. So we, we pay no attention to the need and purpose and intentionality of what corporate worship is. Hebrews 10, do not neglect the pattern of getting together for worship. Worship the one together as praised. Make this a specific part of your life of rest because something is happening when he gives us rest. But I think our enemy, Satan, also wants us to keep working and working and uses work as a distraction. I'm aware that I, I think at times I use technology as a distraction. Anybody else do that? I was introduced to a terminology, a new term this week called doom scrolling. I don't know if someone made that up in our staff meeting or it was actually written down somewhere. They call it doom scrolling when you're just like on your phone and you're doing this. I don't like it. Okay, keep going. Oh, that's kind of interesting. You ever pull up to a stoplight and look to your right or left and you people aren't like this? They're like this. We're distracted. I think we're finding enslavement. God wants us to be free. And we don't realize how much that this is breaking us. So Pharaoh's desire is to break his people. Satan's desire is to break us. I went further than last time. But then what does God do? He shows up, right? He comes to rescue. He comes to the rescue. We worship a God that's a rescuer. Exodus chapter six. He says, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. And then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So that's what he does. He then takes and he leads them out. They leave the land of Egypt. They head across the sea. They head out into the wilderness, into a new space to a new place where God is going to bring them rest and bring them 
restoration and bring them healing, a place where then they can come and worship them, a place where God's going to lead them by a pillar of cloud and by a pillar of fire, and he will be their God and they will be his people, and they will no longer be under the yoke of slavery. There's a verse that God has drawn me to in recent months, and it comes from Psalm 18, verse 19. And this, this is a psalm that talks about David. And David has been um, uh, under the, the, the yoke of, of Saul. And he's running and hiding from cave to cave to cave to cave. And finally, God frees him of this. And David writes, you have brought me into a spacious place. Because you rescued me, because you delight in me. I think when we understand the heart behind why God gives us a rest, why God gives us a Sabbath, is because he delights in us. That he made us at the beginning of the world and has us in mind because he loves us and desires to be with us so great, so much, even if we're so broken, he wants to come and rescue us. And provides for his people. So moving into Exodus 16, God provides food for them. He provides manna and water and quail. And then he sets up, okay, I'm going to provide this for you for six days. And you go out and you're going to pick it up. And we don't know what it is. So we just call it manna, which means what is it? We still don't know. But on that seventh day, the day before you pick, you pick double. Because on the seventh day, this is meant for rest and for worship. And finally, they make it to uh, Mount Sinai in chapter 20. And he gives them, this is my heart for you. This is my uh, desire for you. This is the new covenant. This is the covenant, which Jesus, that's the new covenant. Don't get that wrong. Um, And so he says in verses 8 through 11, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy six days. You shall labor and do all your work. Please don't misunderstand that work. Don't think that I'm saying work is bad. We do work. And I think in our places of work that God has uh, allowed us to go to, using our skills that he's provided, our our gift sets, and uh, a message that we go with a message into our workplaces, the message of Jesus Christ, because we know we are in a broken world that needs the message of hope. And we have a mission each and every day when we go to our places, our hospitals, our, our schools, um, into the uh, businesses, into the factories, um, on the streets, wherever, wherever, we, wherever we go and wherever we work, that we have this mission of God. He calls us kingdom of priests to go and reveal who God is. And that is the work. But then we also get tired and worn and it says, come back and rest. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. It's directional. And on it you shall not do any work, but neither you or your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. It's for everybody. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on that seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath, and he made it holy. He made it set apart. He made it other. He made it different. And so we have this day that's different. 
It's a day that's set apart. A day that we're here in worship together. We set it apart. We give it priority in our lives. We guard it against distraction. We guard it against other things in our calendars. We make it a priority. Instead of the final day of the week, we have made it the first day of the week. This is God's heart for us. What about Jesus and the Sabbath? Jesus interacts with the Sabbath a lot. He does a lot of things on the Sabbath. Beginning um, Luke chapter 4. Uh, on the Sabbath day in, in the town of Nazareth, the town he grew up in, he goes and he gets the scroll of Isaiah and he reads and today he says, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. They get upset with him as we find out this is a pattern in Jesus's life. I don't know if he has a problem, but he just is, is there and he continues to get in trouble on the Sabbath with the religious leaders. One of the main texts with Jesus on the Sabbath is from Matthew 12. But before we get to Matthew 12, you need to end up the last part of Matthew 11. And uh, contrary to some of our Bible apps that just turn it, all of a sudden it starts on chapter 12. Um, or if you have the, the written word, you re- realize, okay, chapter 11 is right there leading into chapter 12. And in, in, in the Greek text, the, chapter 11 just, it reads right as part of the same it's part of the same passage. There's not a break. And so when we read Matthew 11, we have to continue to read because they're tied together. And I think, again, reveals God's heart for us. So Matthew 11, again, we've already heard it once this morning, which I'm grateful for. Matthew 11, 28 through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So all of a sudden, if we start piecing together, there was a king over here, Pharaoh, king, oppressive, boom, 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 the yoke of slavery. God frees them from this slavery. We have this other king over here. We call him King Jesus, who then realizes that we are broken. And he has a yoke as well. But his yoke, as he says, will give us rest. Burden is light. Here's the invitation. Here's the healing. Here's the rest. This is the reason why we worship. And I've been in studies before. We, we, we read this passage and we stop there. And the conversation, for my yoke is ease and my burden is light. And we're like, what does that mean? Oh, I don't know. It kind of means this or that or that. I'm like, well, we just got to keep reading. And as we move into chapter 12, what does Jesus mean when he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light? And he goes right into the Sabbath. At that time, 
Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and to eat them. What are they? They're hungry. What were God's people out in the wilderness? They were hungry. God provides. And the Pharisees saw this. They said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. But again, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There are so many laws that they had to follow. You know, in, on, on Shabbat, on the Sabbath, it is unlawful to flush a toilet. I'll let that sink in. We were there at the Western Wall on Shabbat. And they said, out of respect, out of honor, you please don't do work here. Which also meant, what is work? Taking out your phone and taking a picture. God, is this the one time in my life I'm going to be here at the Western Wall and I can't even take a picture? Jesus, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Pharisees said, they can't do that. Your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And he answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and his companions ate the consecrated bread which was not lawful for them to do, but only, what, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. Jesus said in Matthew five seventeen says, for I am here to fulfill the law and the prophets. He says something is greater. Something greater than the temple is here. It is Jesus. It is, he is, and his kingdom are here. And if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You have not condemned the innocent. For the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. As Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus has authority over the Sabbath. Mark also includes in his gospel, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, what does Jesus say? His mercy, God's mercy. That this Sabbath he has authority over. And again, well, okay, what does that look like, Jesus? What does that look like? Well, well, we keep reading. Keep reading. Verse 9. Going on from that place, remember they're out in the field, and you can picture it, picture it like, well, they didn't have the, the roof system back then, but there's a city limit, and maybe the Pharisees, they were kind of out within like a, their 2,000 cubits, and they're like, nah, don't pick that grain. And we're going we're gonna to get you. And then Jesus says, all right, well, hey, Let's go to their synagogue. I think that's funny. He says, okay, well, I'll, I'll come to your, your territory. So he goes to their synagogue. In verse 10, and a man with a shriveled hand was there, looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. And they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? 
And he said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? How valuable are you? We look at the cross. That's how valuable we are. Made in God's image, separated from God, stuck in slavery with no hope to speak about. God sends his son Jesus so that we would be able to be with him forever. When we have faith and can profess that Jesus is our Lord, he is our savior. And it's in this time, in this moment, on these days that we recognize that we are broken. And then we continue to find on the Sabbath Jesus doing this. No matter what gospel we look into, John, Luke, Mark, Matthew, I, I, I feel confident saying every time Jesus has an interaction on the Sabbath, this is happening. whether it's freeing someone from an impure spirit, freeing someone from um, being crippled on a mat, bring, having someone um, be, being born blind, whatever the case, Jesus goes and has their brokenness, and does this. Brings them back, restores them. And so, folks, we are going around in our world six days a week being broken, being worn, being tired. We, we get beat up relationally. We get beat up emotionally. We get beat up mentally. We get beat up in all the different other ways that, where we get broken. And Jesus says, come and rest. Come with others. and Be reminded of the goodness of God, of the restoration of our Lord. This side of heaven, we have some healing and we look forward to the eternal Sabbath that we all have where we're made whole completely again. But this is... This is, this is the human flourishing that happens because of the Sabbath. So we don't want to disregard it. We don't want to toss it away. We don't want to give it up. We make it a priority in our lives to worship together and to find rest in our God. have a few reflection questions for, for you to take. And, you know, Deuteronomy uh, uh, 
God said, you know, talk about these things. Talk about the word on the road when you sit down, when you get up, when you, when you uh, lie down, when you walk, when you eat. Um, put them on your doorframe. This is God's word. And, and it was understood that you talk about this. You talk about God's word. And um, these are just prompts to talk about this. Talk about God's goodness. Um, they're in your sermon notes or they're also will be on the screen. I just have uh, four questions for you to consider. The first what lies do you believe that a rhythm of rest is not important, right? What lies do we have in our lives that, that we, we run into that we think, this isn't a priority in my life. I, I don't need it. I think there is something there, something other that is somewhat hard to describe the intentionality and purposeness of worshiping together. And sometimes we skip out on that. And it is, not only do you f- skip out on receiving a blessing, but you also forget that you can be a blessing to someone else. What lies do you believe that a rhythm of rest is not important? We can get to it later. I have too many things I need to do, you know, et cetera, that needs to be done. What about the lies of how important we are, isn't it? Sometimes we keep on working and working and working so we gain more and more significance to kind of bolster who we think we are. And we don't, if we fright, we're afraid if we take that time away, then we won't be as important or significant as we think we are. But the truth is you are as significant and as important to the creator of the heavens and earth. That's where our truth is. So take a rest. Second question, what prevents you from having true rest? And I put that word true rest in there because a lot of times we can do things that we might think are restful, but maybe they're really not. For years, my favorite Sunday activity after church was watching the Cleveland Browns and sitting on the couch, and that was restful. When after that four-hour time slot was done, I was more agitated and irritable than what a true rest would really have given. We have Sabbath practices, like when we come home, I know today that uh, my wife or one of my kids, they'll be making quesadillas. That's our, our Sabbath routine every Sunday. And then later on tonight, we'll hopefully play some family game together, have a devotional time before the kids go to bed. And that is our rhythm and routine. And that brings, that brings true rest for us. Third, how does Jesus want to bring healing and restoration to you through intentional rhythms of worship and rest? We trust and believe that in this rest, in this resting place, that there will be a healing, there will be a restoration going on. We may not be able to put our finger on it, but we believe God is working. If we're honoring the rest and his invitation to come to him. And finally, the rest is a choice that needs to be made. 
One final uh, illustration from, from Israel. And uh, we were there yeah, for, for many days and every night we stayed in a hotel. And the hotel always had a lobby with multiple elevators in it. Um, one was always had a sign on that said Shabbat elevator which means like it's the Sabbath elevator. And six days a week, it functioned just as every other elevator. You push a button, you go in, you go up or down. But on the Sabbath, these elevators were for not doing work. And so if you were observing the, the Sabbath, then you would wait there until eventually the elevator would come up. And what it would do, the doors would open and you kind of, you walk in and sometimes there'd be a chair there or you'd stand and, and um, then you'd, you'd wait for probably that annoying uh, sound. Eventually the doors were closed and you go up to the next floor or go down a floor. Then you, if you have to go a while, you're gonna be on there for a good bit of time. But it struck me that as I stood there, I had a choice to make. And me not really wanting to miss out on anything, I always chose the non-Shabbat elevator because that was the fast one. That was the quick one. That was the more efficient one. But when it comes to rest and resting with God, we have a choice to make. And resting with God often isn't efficient, often isn't quick. Choosing to come to worship often isn't maybe uh, the most quick or efficient time, especially if we're talking a lot, right? But when we're here together, when we're worshiping together, when we spend that time intentionally to rest and we make that choice, we know that God is moving in our midst. So we're going to sing a, a, a final song here together. And I think it's, this, this song is an invitation to sink deeper into the love and the rest and the mercy of God. And I don't know where uh, Keith and Andrea are. They're, a, they're, they're part of our prayer team this morning. And uh, usually we wait till the end of the service to do this. Hey, if you want to receive prayer, then come up and see them and they'll take you to a prayer room. But if during this music or during this song, if your heart has been stirred, if the Holy Spirit has pushed you in some way, you want to receive prayer, then um, come up here. Just let someone pray for you. Receive that blessing. Lord God, we thank you for your invitation to come to you, to come and rest. Jesus, we thank you for your yoke that is light. The burden is easy. The invitation is always there. Thank you for your love that you have for us, that we are more valuable than a sheep. Thank you for giving us rest with you. We pray this in your name. Amen.
drawing close, stood by grace, and all my heart is yours. for you as we close this morning. Actually, three. Again, uh, prayer. If you like prayer, if you'd like to receive prayer, come down here and either be prayed for here or they'll take you to the, the prayer room. Um, second thing is next Sunday is our annual meeting. And part of the annual meeting, we will have a meal together. And it's after the second service. We would love to know how much food to prepare. So if you're planning on coming to the annual meeting, fill out that connect card, right? Hey, I'm coming to the meeting. Uh, one person, two people, five people, 30 people, depending on how, how many people are coming with you, that gives us an idea. Put that in the baskets afterwards. You can also, on our app, there's an event that you can RSVP for that. And speaking of the annual meeting, right after this service, Pastor Ralph's going to be uh, walking us through some of the bylaw changes that we're bringing um, to the congregation to be voted on next week. If you have questions or want to learn more about that, stay right here, or you can come back Wednesday evening is the, the same same Q&A time about the bylaws. And then uh, finally this morning, uh, our life group sign-up event. You heard about it last week, and you've probably seen it walk through it in the cafe this morning. Um, we have, I think, 11 life groups now that have uh, some open, open spots, some new ones, some already existing life groups. Love for you to get connected in community um, as we continue to worship and walk with our Lord um, each and every day. So, Westgate Chapel, people of God, may you go out with the love of the Father, through the grace of the Son, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Go in peace. Amen.